That's on. Uh, my name is Jamie. I am uh, the pastor here. Uh, a, a couple of things before we get into the actual sermon. Um, some of you may know uh, that in Eau Claire this week, uh, there have been refugees from Afghanistan coming to our city. And there are several groups and churches all gathering to uh, do what we can to provide basic needs and make them feel welcome. Uh, so we as a church are part of that along with many other churches is that we are doing uh, what we can uh, to support refugees and make them feel welcome in this community. And so there will be things that we will be coming to you with over the next couple weeks that will let you know how you can join us with that effort of being supportive and welcoming. Another amazing announcement. Uh, here's a picture this is Lucas Christopher Hugo, born on Valentine's Day. Uh, so Katie is on staff here. Chris and Katie have gone here, uh, I think, six, seven years. And uh, they are an incredible blessing to our church in our community. And uh, they gave birth to Christopher, or Lucas Christopher Hugo on uh, Valentine's Day. So um, if you are friends with them, feel free to reach out and say congratulations. We're starting our groups uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. One of them is the College Bible Study, and that is happening here at church, led by Lee. And then the other one that we're starting is a group uh, called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Spirituality. And my personal goal, um, largely judging from the last two years, is to get everybody that calls this church home through that course. So you can decide whether you take it this time or whether you take it the next time we offer it or the next time. Uh, my goal is to get everybody to go through that course. And here's why. I think it's extremely important as part of our discipleship and growth. Over the last two years, I've heard many times, more times than I can count, you know, I, I come to church, I'm involved with a small group, but I still don't know how to pray. I still don't know how to read scripture. I don't know that Jesus loves me. I don't know that there is forgiveness. I don't know how to have a relationship with Jesus that focuses on being with him rather than doing something for him. I don't know how to integrate my feelings, especially anger, sadness, anxiousness, with my faith. I'm struggling with my relationships. The last two years have been hard and relationships are broken. They're, they're fractured. Things are, I don't know what to do with that. If you have uttered or thought any of these phrases, I want to encourage you to sign up to go through this course. We will walk through these things together. And learn what it means to grow in Jesus and grow as a disciple of Christ. So, there are sign-ups for both those things downstairs at the welcome table. Uh, also links on Facebook and in the newsletter. We're going through this series uh, called Habits. And habits are things that you do daily. 
Whatever you do daily, whatever you watch daily, whatever you listen to daily, whatever you read daily, whatever you say daily, whatever you think on daily, whatever your actions you do daily determines who you are. And last week we talked about uh, community. And hopefully, as we talked about community, talked about these four different spaces, if you missed it, go back and watch it. Because we talked about these four different spaces of community and that it's not just the idea of loving community. Because those people that love the idea of community actually end up destroying it. But it's the people that actually love the people around them. See, they're the ones that actually build this thing that we call community. And hopefully last week was an eye-opener and clarified some things for you. Maybe it clarified that you are searching for this place for community. When really you need this place for community. Or maybe, listen, last week it freed you up. Because you feel guilty that you don't have this place for community. And really what you need is another place. And you're full in this place. If that didn't make sense at all, go listen last week. And you will start to understand it. We're talking about these things we do, we do on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. They're called habits. Most of what we do, about 50% of what we do on a daily basis are just dictated by our habits. We don't really think about it. Do you think about getting dressed every morning? You might think about what to wear. But there's probably no question in your mind that you are going to get dressed. Hopefully. Do you, do you think about your morning routine? Probably not. Do you think about the fact that you need to wake up? Uh, maybe you have kids you need to get ready. Maybe there's a whole routine for that. That you need to get them awake, feed them breakfast, get them to school. You yourself need to get yourself ready, eat breakfast, get to school. We are run by our habits. And today I want to talk about something, and it's the habit of how we think. And this is just going to be a small sermon, and it, this probably needs to be a series later on. But this idea of we have a routine, a habitual way of thinking. So this morning I just want to focus on this and ask some questions around it. There are a lot of Sundays uh, when I am prepping for the sermon. I'm coming to church, figuring out what I'm going to say, getting things ready, preparing my mind, preparing my heart, preparing, praying. Jesus, what do you want to hear? What do you want me to say? How are you going to use this? All these things. And do you know what often pops up in the midst of this preparation? Satan, right? And, and in the midst of this preparation, there's these little thoughts that go on. What are you doing? 
You think people are going to listen to what you have to say? Or, or what do you, you're not, you're not anything like you, you, yeah, sure, you have the title of pastor, but what are you doing standing up there trying to talk about God's word to people? Like you aren't good enough for that. People don't care what you have to say. People are going to judge you. They're going to think your ideas aren't good. They're going to look at the way that you talk about the Bible and go like, ah, well, he doesn't know anything anyway. Often, there is a battle in my mind coming to do this every Sunday. And if you've ever been on stage, you know that battle. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that we all have battles in our mind that we are continually fighting. Maybe with you it has to do with work. Maybe it has to do with relationships. Maybe it has to do with your own walk with Jesus. Maybe it has to do with the way you grew up. There are all these battles that we fight in our mind. That's why you have Paul talking about in Corinthians. I, I don't do what I want to do. I do do what I don't want to do. He's talking about this battle, this wrestling that is going on in his life and in his mind. Do you know that battle in your mind? So if you do, raise your hand. I just want everybody to see this is normal. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. It's okay. (laughs) We still love you. But there is a battle in my mind, and oftentimes I don't think we talk about it enough. See, we talk about coming to church. We talk about praying. We talk about reading scripture. We talk about all these things of what it means to be a Jesus follower. We talk about loving our neighbor, doing all these things. But rarely do we talk about the habit of how we think is crucial to our walk with Jesus. Uh, John Mark Comer wrote a book called Live No Lies. Uh, You should read it if you haven't yet. It's an amazing book. But he talks about this in the first couple chapters. He says this, Our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to the lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. He talks about how, how does the devil usually show up in our lives? I think in our culture, it's, it's, it's not normative for the devil to show up in like demon possession. Or like he's like throwing things at you from outside. Or, I, I, don't, I don't know what the other options are. But I think primarily Satan shows up through lies and deception. Our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to the lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth, which is what? 
scripture, which is Jesus. Turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 44. In John chapter 8, verse 44, uh, Jesus is in a little bit of a fight, and he is um, having a conversation, and he, he comes out with this, verse 44. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. That's a bold claim, right? If you're on the other end of that, you're not liking what's, how this conversation is going. But he's talking, he says, you belong to your father, the devil, you want to carry out your father's desires, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks in his native language, for he is a liar in the father of lies. Jesus is talking about this foundational truth about who Satan is. First and foremost, Satan is a liar. He even says he's the father of lies. Lying, deception is his native tongue. And that's often how he operates in this world. Don't believe me? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. If you know the story, God created everything. He created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are living in perfect bliss, perfect harmony, are naked and walking through uh, the garden and uh, like just enjoying life together, right? Perfect unity between uh, man and woman and God. And then someone comes along. And this someone is Satan, is the serpent. And he gets Eve alone, and, and there's this tree in the garden, which God said, look, don't eat from this tree. Whatever you do, do not eat from this tree. Have you ever told a toddler not to do something? What's the first, maybe, okay, have you ever told a grown adult not to do something? What's the first thing they want to do? Don't lie, it's true. Uh, he said, don't eat from this one. You can do anything else in the garden, but eat from this tree. So one day he was looking at the tree. Man, that tree looks good. Like, there's good fruit on that tree. What happens? Satan comes up. You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. What did Satan do? He didn't walk up and like pick an apple from the tree and throw it in her mouth. No. All he did was he spoke this little lie. Did God really say that? You know, I think God's holding out on you. I think there is more here that he's just, he just wants to keep you from. That tree looks good, doesn't it? The fruit looks good. Why don't you just go ahead? Satan didn't force her to do anything. Satan came with lies. In deception. 
And Adam and Eve found themselves broken in their relationship with each other and between them and God. Hiding, realizing they were naked, hiding in shame and guilt behind some bushes as God sought them out. Look at Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 is Jesus goes into the desert to be tested. Just read the interaction between Jesus and Satan. Jesus is baptized. He goes into the desert to be tested by Satan, where he's fasting, he's praying. And what does the scripture say? How does Satan show up? Satan comes through ideas, through distorted truths, through lies. Satan comes with, if you, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. Notice the first thing that Satan says when he comes to Jesus, he's trying to derail him, he's trying to tempt him, he's trying to get him off course. And the first thing he says, if you're the son of God, what are you talking about if, Satan? Like the first, the verse before that, Jesus get baptized, what happens? The heavens open up, a dove come down, and there's a voice of God coming from heaven saying, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. Before you do any ministry, before you accomplish anything in your life, I am pleased with you because you are my son. (laughs) Satan comes along. If you're the son of God, what is he trying to do? He's trying to twist. He's trying to distort the truth of God. So that Jesus might start to question. Am I the son of God? I mean, I know I heard from God. That was clear as day. But but there's this other voice in, in the back of my head that's now questioning. Am I? So am I? We know Jesus being Jesus. I don't think this fazed him at all. Each time, if you're the son of God. You're hungry? Go make some bread for yourself. Jesus said, I don't, I don't need to do that. I, I'm, I'm surviving on God in the word. Throw yourself from this mountain. Let's test and see if the angels will catch you. No, don't need to do that. I know the truth. Well, Jesus, if you, if you worship me, look, look, there's, there's a vast, there's a lot of riches in this world and a lot of fame and a lot of notoriety and a lot of likes on Instagram and millions of followers on TikTok. And, and there's money upon money upon money that I could give you if you just worship me. Jesus goes, no, I'm only going to worship my father. This. Jesus defeats a temptation time after time after time again. And all Satan is doing is coming and distorting the truth. And speaking lies and deception. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. 
5 through 8. Romans chapter 8, 5 through 8, it's this discussion that Paul is having in the letter to the Romans. And he's in this section, and he's talking about life in the Spirit, life through the Spirit. So he's trying to get people to understand. He says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what uh, the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So Paul is talking about, he talks about this in many of his letters, there's two ways of living. There's a way that's living according to the flesh, to which in Ephesians, Paul talks about the fleshly way of living is ruled by Satan, the father of lies. And then there's a way of living that is uh, leading towards the Spirit and is through the Spirit. These two battles that go on in our minds and in our lives. See, as you and I follow Jesus, we are rescued out of that battle. We still battle with it, but we are rescued out of the battle because of Jesus and what Jesus has done, the free gift for you and I that pulled us out of that fleshly desires and gave us access to, I'm living in and through, empowered by the Spirit. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit brings life and peace. Which path dominates your thoughts? I want to do this little exercise with us this morning. Because I think the first thing that we have to do is become aware of what we are thinking. You and I both have this uh, story running through our heads. And it's a story that nobody else really gets access to unless we allow them. It's a story that keeps running, this tape that keeps running through our heads. And oftentimes I think it's happening and we aren't even aware that it's happening. And so I want to do this little exercise with you. I want to do something called a thought inventory. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think throughout your day. What are the thoughts that dominate your thinking? What are the thoughts that you think when you wake up? When you start your day, when you first get out of bed, when you start your morning routine, are you ready to take on the day? Are you ready to accomplish? Do you have your tasks that you have and you're just ready, you can't wait to check them off the list? You wake up tired. 
you wake up overwhelmed? Do you wake up in a state of deficit rather than a state of surplus? What are the thoughts that come to your mind when you wake up? What are the thoughts that come to your mind when you go to work or go to school? Maybe you work from home and you're on Zoom meetings all day. Maybe you work from home and you're taking care of the home and your kids. Maybe you go to an office. Maybe you go to a a classroom What are the thoughts that you encounter there? What I do, my job, my school, my home life, that defines me. I better be successful here or else. How I, define, how I do my job defines what others think about me and therefore de, uh, defines my worth and my value. I'm not good enough. So that means I got to work really, 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 really hard. See, if I'm successful here, that means I'm successful in life. And I need to be successful in life or or else I'll be a failure. What are your thoughts when you come up against a challenge in life? I'm afraid. If I crumble under this challenge, I'm going to become just like my parents. Or I'm, not, I'm never going to measure up to my parents because I can't step up to this challenge. This always happens to me. I'm dumb, I can't figure it out, I can't rise to the challenge, I'm not courageous. What are your thoughts in regards to relationships? I'm not good enough. I'm insecure. I'm always seeking approval from others in unhealthy ways rather than healthy ways. Because there are healthy ways to do that. Or maybe my relationships become my identity. Who I'm hanging out with, who I associate with, who I can talk to and be connected with. Define who I am as a person. 
Okay. You can open your eyes. On any given day, what do your thoughts tell you? If you're anything like me, which I assume you are, (laughs) there's a whole mixture of good things running through this brain and a whole mixture of not-so-good things running through this brain. Right? We all deal with it. So here's the question. On any given day, are your thoughts fleshly or are they pointing towards the Spirit? And maybe you don't know how to answer that question, but here's another clarifying question. Are your thoughts leading you towards destruction in your life? Towards chaos? Towards things that will not satisfy? Or are they leading you towards Jesus and life and wholeness, towards peace, towards gentleness, towards goodness, towards self-control, towards joy? Where are your thoughts taking you? And I think this is profound to be asking these questions, to kind of do this thought inventory as a follower of Jesus. Because it makes us aware. And it gives us the opportunity to change the way we're thinking. Second Corinthians 10.5 says this. It says, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Jesus. Yeah, those thoughts that are fleshly, those thoughts that are maybe leading you away from Jesus, leading you towards destruction, leading you towards chaos. Yeah, yeah, Paul says we demolish those because those are not of Jesus. Those are not biblically true. We demolish those. And any other thoughts that set itself up against the knowledge of God, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Jesus. There's a book called I Declare. uh, And in that book, uh, the author talks about 116 minutes a day, you and I have thoughts that just flow in and out of our mind. 116 minutes a day, some sort of unwanted, unwelcomed, unhelpful thought comes and steals our joy and neutralizes our effectiveness. And in this book, I declare, he talks about he's going, uh, he talks about going to get on a plane. What do you have to go through before you go get on the plane? Customs. Yeah, we're going someplace fun, it's through customs. But you go through security, right? In insecurity, you go through this machine and they take pictures of you and it's really awkward and all this stuff. And, and if you get stopped, they have the right to do whatever they want, right? Like they can take your uh, 
toothpaste if it's too large. It, take anything from you and just remove it. But you have to go through this in order to get on the plane. And in this book, I declare, he goes, why don't we have security for our mind? Most of us just have thoughts that come flooding in and they just make themselves welcome, make themselves at home. They dance around in our mind. And most of us don't have a checkpoint to go, hold up. I'm going to take this thought captive and analyze it. Is this scriptural? Is this from Jesus? Is this from the Spirit? Or is this leading me in my mind, in my thoughts, down a path of destruction because of the lie that is being told? He said it's essential to install a checkpoint in our mind. See, without a filter, you risk two hours of thought sneaking through and causing untold amounts of terror and damage to your peace and your God-given power and identity. When you force each thought to go through this screening before you allow it to remain, you can take back control from fear, shame, jealousy, guilt, and doubt. You'll find that being so alert to what you're thinking will have a huge amount of impact on your emotions. Remember, you can change the way you feel by changing the way that you think. Where your head goes, your body must follow. We take captive every thought. Put it through the screening process. Should this thought be here? Is this thought scriptural? Is it accurate? Or is it the devil playing in the background? Trying to get you to question who you are. Trying to get you to question who God is. Who Jesus is. What the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. How is the habit of your thoughts going? What checkpoints do you need to install? Notice, I didn't say if you need to install a checkpoint. Because we all have checkpoints that we need to install. Of saying, no, no, I'm, you know what? If I'm the son of God? If? No, no, no. That gets caught by the checkpoint right there. Because I know, in Scripture, that I am a son of Jesus. You are a daughter of Jesus. Nobody has the right to come in and say, if? No. I am a son. I am a daughter of Christ. And that means certain things for the way that I think and the way that I live. Get out of here with that if talk. Come on. There's a whole other part of this sermon, but I talked too long, so we'll revisit it at some point. Uh, it's from this book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Uh, if this is an area that you are struggling with, your thoughts, 
which we all are, if you want to do something about it, get a book like this and read it. Join the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course and go through it with a community of people. This is an area that I believe as we follow Jesus, we need to take control of our thoughts and minds and submit them. Make them obedient to Scripture and who Jesus is. Worship team can come on up. I want to close with Philippians 4.8. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, true according to Scripture, true according to Jesus, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Amen.